0: You are listening to the Tom Eliff podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now here is Tom Eliff. I will please uh, this evening to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. And I want to preach this evening on this subject, the deadly curse of covetousness. The deadly curse of covetousness. And we're just going to read the first part of this commandment. We'll look at all of it tonight. But would you stand with me and let's just read these four words that said, You shall not covet. And let's read these aloud together. And I think in these next few moments, you're going to understand why I'm calling this this evening, The Deadly Curse of Covetousness. Let's say these four words together, shall we? You shall not covet. Let's say it again. You shall not covet. That seems like such an innocuous command to include with these big ones like don't kill or you shall have no other God before me or you shall not commit adultery. It seems to be such a simple thing. Oh, yeah, and by the way, don't covet. But I believe the Lord would have us understand something different about that this evening. When we pray tonight, um, I'd like for us to pray for little Alexander Pantoja. She is in Children's Hospital, as you know. Her mom and dad are there with her. She's been there for about three weeks and really struggling for life right now. And so I would like for you and for me to pray together that God would minister to her and that he would minister in any way he desires through those physicians and through others who are there, but that by attending her with his presence, that God would just speak life to her. That would be the desire of our heart. We want God's will to be done, of course, but we can't hide the fact that our desire is that God would just bring healing to her. And so let's pray for her in that regard. And then... There are others uh, for whom we want to be praying, and I know that you have people on your heart this evening. And so would you just let the Lord hear your heart? Let's bow before the Lord for a few moments. Just let the Lord hear your heart in regard to the deep needs of your life in these moments. So, Father, as we bow before you this evening, In concert, together, we pray for little Alexander Pantoja. We pray, Lord, that you would bring strength to her. Lord, we pray for her mother and father. We pray, Lord, a blessing upon them. We pray, Lord, that you would see our hearts and hear our prayers. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes in these next few moments so that we might behold these wonderful things which are enclosed in your law. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and matchless name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Of course, as always, keep your Bible open to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. This evening, we're going to be thinking together about the deadly curse of covetousness. And I want to uh, take just a few moments at the beginning of the message this evening to draw your attention once again to the fact that covetousness is indeed a deadly curse. I really do think the tendency is in quoting the commandments, you know, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make any graven image to me. You're to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And then those commandments which should deal with our relationship with one another, commandments against killing and stealing and committing adultery and bearing false witness. And then there is this interesting commandment tucked away at the close of these verses, don't covet. And I think most of us have the impression that because covetousness is a secret thing, for the most part, it's a heart issue. It's not, it's not, some, it's not going out and, and stealing. It's not telling a lie. It's not uh, committing adultery, you know. It's not, it's not violating some big... Because of that, that, that oh, of course, I, I don't covet. I'll not insult your intelligence this evening by... Uh, walking through each of the commandments. But I will remind you before preaching this message that in one sense, the sin of covetousness is in the root or in the heart of virtually every other issue addressed by the Ten Commandments. Why would I steal only if I wanted something God had entrusted to someone else and not to me? Why would a person commit adultery only because he was not satisfied, she was not satisfied with what the Lord had entrusted to her, to him, and wanted something else? Why would a person bear false witness? Why would a person tell a lie? Is it because they want the position or the attention or the satisfaction that's going to come from bringing another down? Something that doesn't belong to them. To to manipulate a person's destiny by the words of my mouth. Why would a person violate the Sabbath, the Lord's Sabbath? Because it's not enough that it's the Lord's. It has to be mine. These are the only days I get off. It's mine, and I want what belongs to God. Why would a person violate this wonderful command that says, you shall have no other God before me, because I want a piece of the action. I'm not satisfied with God running the show. I want a part of the action too. I want what's his, which is at the root, isn't it, of covetousness. And covetousness is so sinister, sneaky, crafty, wily, it is so subtle that it can creep in and then, like the roots of a plant, begin to wrap itself around your heart until ultimately your heart is drawn into it. We've gotten wonderful, wonderful reports back from our mission teams in Poland and in Cambodia. Incredible reports about how God is blessing uh, over 125 more students than they thought were going to be in the classes in Poland. The teams are doing well in Cambodia. Incredible. The Cambodian team coming back this year, or I hope they get back this year, they're coming back this week. (laughs) Seems like a year, doesn't it, Deb? When uh, we were visiting in Cambodia, we went out to see the Angkor Wat temple. The Angkor Wat temple is the is one of seven uh, man-made wonders of the world. It's one of the few remaining. Incredible, built about 1100 A.D. Huge buildings. I mean. In intricately carved, all to false gods, all to superstition, all to animism. It's such a twisted, devious, syncretic kind of religion. But even those stone buildings could not take the onslaught of the foliage. What was just a little plant growing up began to grow a little larger, and here were entire Mammoth stone buildings, which were just enshrouded in roots of huge trees. And now the tree was more impressive than the buildings. And covetousness is like that. Just needs a place to grow, just needs a spot to start. Just a beginning place in your heart. Just one little beginning place in your heart. And it will begin to grow until ultimately covetousness will become more obvious in your life than your life. And so I want to make some statements about covetousness, and I hope that God will somehow enable you to remember these this evening. Look at them with me, if you will, please. First of all, covetousness is a silent and sequential destroyer of all that is pure in your heart. Covetousness is a silent, it comes unannounced, and it is a sequential, and I'm going to explain what that means, a sequential destroyer of everything that is pure in your heart. It will literally draw out of your heart the joy of your Christian faith, literally, I know of people who I know know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have lost the joy of their Christianity because some place along the way, covetousness took root. And now it's gone. It just absorbed. It just drew from them all of the energy. I say in this statement that it is a sequential destroyer. Let me, let me show you the sequence uh, that is followed when covetousness takes over. First of all, it begins with delight. I'm going to give you four D's here. First of all, it begins with delight. You begin delighting in something. By the way, covetousness is most uh, affected through the eye. Most affected through the eye. The truth of the matter is, corporations spend billions of dollars a year purposely determined to assault your senses through the eyes. And so it begins with the light. Let me show you something that you would like. Show you some place you ought to be. Show you something you ought to wear, live in, drive, go to, become. Show you a relationship you ought to have. Something that you'll enjoy. You'd you'd like this. You owe it to yourself. You deserve it. I mean, after all, you've come a long way. You deserve this. You ought to have the best. You ought not have anything less than the best. You ought to have this experience. Why should everybody have that experience and you not have that experience? You ought to be able to go to a place like that. You ought to have a relationship like that. I mean, why Why can everybody else get by with it and you not get by with it? You ought to have a relationship like that. It begins with delight, but then delight moves quickly to dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction with what? What's going on in your life. Not all dissatisfaction is bad, but covetousness spreads a kind of dissatisfaction that says, you know, your marriage is not good enough. Where you live is not good enough. What you're doing is not good enough. These relationships are not good enough. Your position is not good enough. Now, there's a, there's a holy kind of dissatisfaction that says, you know, I want to be everything and have everything that God wants for me. But there's an unholy satisfaction that says, you know, God has entrusted that to somebody else and that's what I want. And by the way, we get around it by saying, you know, I don't want to be covetous, so I'm not going to say I want that, but I want one like it. I'm not just going to come out and say, I wish he had a great old big wart on the end of his nose and 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 I had that new suit, but I'm going to say, I wish him well and I wish I had a suit like that. Or a house or car, or job, or relationship, or husband, or wife, or TV Or a lawnmower Stupid stuff But from delight comes dissatisfaction That's an evidence I'm dissatisfied with What God has entrusted to me I, I see something that God has entrusted To somebody else and that's what I want So delight, dissatisfaction In the sequence next becomes desire Yep, that's it, that's what I want That's what I want I want to have that, I want to be that I want to go there, I want to do that when I was, when I was uh, saying to Dr. Whitty, Dr. Whitty's going to be, he's here with us again this Sunday, visiting in our home from Jacksonville, Florida. I was telling the new members class, this guy's life spans an incredible period of time. Born in 1906, by the way, and uh, still active and energetic and has his own web page, which you're invited to visit, and still writing books and speaking all over the country. Now, listen carefully. Don't let anything distract you, and some of our ushers can help us over here. But here it is, you know. Dr. Whitty, uh, uh said to me, he says, I don't mind you preaching on covetousness as long as you're general. Just be general about it. What he was saying, was, well, don't get to meddling now about the things. That, you know, it's very interesting. You bring up this subject and, and people to meet and say, well, the preacher's against me having this. The preacher's against me going. There. He doesn't want me going on a vacation. He goes here. They, the preacher, no, 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 it has nothing to do with this preacher. I'm just telling you what this commandment means. Now, it begins with delight. Hey, that's, that's pretty neat. Then dissatisfaction. You know what I got's not neat enough. And then it moves to desire. I want that. I want that. I want it. That's what I want. That's what I want to have. And then it moves to design, and I'm going to figure out a way to get it. What that person has is what I want. It's not just one like it, really. I, really. I want to live there, do that, go there, have that. I want his position. I want her partner. What that person has is something that I want. And that is the silent and sequential manner in which covetousness works. And so let's write it down someplace. Beginning with delight and then encouraging dissatisfaction and intensifying with desire, covetousness ultimately begins to secretly design a way to to possess what belongs to another. Now, covetousness is not just simply wanting something and wanting something that's nice. But is seeing something that belongs to another and saying, that's what I want. And I'm going to figure out a way to get it. Look at this next statement. Covetousness can exist in virtually every arena of life. Covetousness can exist in virtually... Every arena of life. It doesn't just have to be stuff. It can be relationships. Look with me at the commandment. Let's just look at it for a few moments. Verse 17, Exodus 20. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. That's his position. Really, that's his house stood for his position in these days. That's where he lives. That's where he's placed. That's his position. There are some of you who uh, tonight, if you got absolutely honest with the Lord, are miserable at your job because you can't be what somebody else is. And it's driving you crazy. And it's robbing you of your good attitude. It's robbing you of your witness. It's robbing you of your servant spirit. It's robbing you of your testimony. It galls you no in that he's that and you're this. All of us face this. Position. Partner. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Wish I was married to her, wish I was married to him. A lot of pornography enters in this way. Someone's loving and gracious and dear wife. Years of faithfulness. Children come along. He doesn't bear those children. He doesn't go through that pain. He doesn't go through that agony. He's got other things to do, but as a part of this responsibility of raising children, but he doesn't go through all that. She begins to change just a little bit, and he begins to look someplace else and say, you know what I got's not good enough? I want what somebody else has got. God, I deserve another chance at my marriage, another chance at my life. It's so selfish, covetousness. Personal relationships. He said, don't covet. You're his manservant nor his maidservant. These people to whom he's personally related. I've known of people who have destroyed relationships so they could develop a relationship with one of the people in it. They go tell rumors. You know, the Bible says, he that repeats a matter separates very friends. And they'll go tell somebody something and then they'll watch this thing fracture and then they'll go buddy up to somebody else and boy, they've got now what that other person had and they wanted. They just coveted it. It happens all the time, right, students? To trash your relationship so you can have what you want out of that relationship. There are people out there who just, you know, one person relationship. They get intense until that goes sour, then they get with somebody else and just, they can't be friends with more. Just intense, you know, and they have a tendency to say, that's what I want, what they have, or personal relationships. Possession, his animals. Notice at the end it says, nor anything that is your neighbor. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is what the Lord is saying is that covetousness is not not something that is just restricted to stuff. It has to do with position in life, the place God has put you, the the partner you have in life, the, the relationships you have with other people in life. You can get dissatisfied with yours and say, I want what somebody else has got. So here's the key. Satan's ploy. Satan's ploy is to draw our discontented hearts toward the position, toward the partners, toward the personal relationships, and the possessions, and here's the key, which God has entrusted to others. They are not yours. Well, let me bring us to this final statement, and that is that covetousness desensitizes and ultimately destroys. Covetousness desensitizes. It makes you numb, and ultimately, it will destroy you. It really will. You cannot imagine the number of people who who right now are not being used of God because in their heart of hearts, ju- they just want something that somebody else has. And it just tears them up that they can't have it. And they become numb to anything else. And they become useless. Desensitized, destroyed. Look at some things that you lose when covetousness takes root in your life. Just look at it for a few moments. First of all, you you lose a proper perspective in your life. You start wanting something and someone besides God. The Bible says, you know what, Psalm 37, 4, if you will delight yourself in the Lord, you know what he'll do? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, but covetousness starts delighting itself in the desires of its heart. And so you lose perspective. I mean, you lose all sense. Your eyes are off the Lord. kind of a Christian is that? Walking around the world, you know, saying, I'm a Christian, but never, never, never looking to God and saying, Lord, I want to love you, worship you more intensely today than I did yesterday, and I'm trusting you to take care of every need, every desire of my heart. But covetousness says, man, where can I go? What can I do? What can I buy? How can it be? Man, I want that. Perspective. You get a lost sense of purpose. You see, our purpose, the chief end of man, the old confession said the chief end of man is to glorify God and praise Him forever. But when you're covetous, the chief end of man is self. I want to get what I want. I want to have what? I don't care. I don't know. I don't care if it's going to create a problem. I don't care if it's going to destroy a home. I don't care if it's going to destroy a heart. I don't care if it's going to ruin a friendship. I don't care if it's going to bring a person down in a position of, it is at my job or in ministry. I don't care. The chief end, my chief end is to glorify myself and to get what myself wants. And so not only do you lose perspective, I'm to keep my focus on God. Now I've lost my purpose. And then finally, look at this. My pursuits become twisted. My energies are now spent on getting something that doesn't belong to me. And I'm going to get mad if I don't. Could I share something with you? Did you know that it takes an incredible amount of energy to get mad and stay mad? You've got to work at it. You do. You really do. Get upset and stay upset. I mean, you've got to put on that face, and, and you've got to make sure that, you know, that person that you're upset with does not get one inch, not one good word, not one gracious statement, not one bit of help, not one anything... It takes a lot. And see, a covetous person is a person who just opens himself or herself up to bitterness. Because, you see, covetousness says there's something out there somebody's got. I want, I don't have it. Hmm. Doesn't have anything to do with covetousness, but I see a bunch of you married couples looking around talking about how, how much energy it takes to get mad. It does, doesn't it? I mean, you've got you to work out. I mean, you need to really. You have to go to a gymnasium to get enough energy to stay mad sometimes. I don't know from experience, of course. I only know because I've heard it. <laughs> it does. It just takes energy. I mean, you've got to make sure. I don't call. Uh, I was just about to have a good time with him. Don't do that. I was just about to say, I'm sorry. Don't you dare do that. But see, back to the point. Covetousness. Wanting something that belongs to somebody else. Something that God in reality has entrusted. You know what it is? It's the ultimate insult. It's saying, God, you've given me the wrong thing. If you think about that, God, you've given me the wrong thing. Wrong, wrong partner. Wrong purpose. Wrong possessions. You, Lord, you, you, you know you blew it. You were you were up there. This was meant to go next door. The, the, this is the, the the guy that I work with. He's supposed to get what I got, and I'm supposed to have what he got. God, you you got an angel up there who was sleeping when you were passing this stuff out. It's the ultimate insult. It says, God, what you've given me is not what I ought to have. At least it doesn't make me happy. And my chief end in life is to be happy, right? That's covetousness. It's a curse. It is a deadly curse. It is the silent, sequential destroyer of everything pure in your heart. So what I want to encourage you to do tonight is to get a weed eater and go hunting. Get you some spiritual diazinon and go start spraying it. Find those places in your heart where you have said, I, I'm not satisfied, God with what you've given me. I want something else that you've entrusted to somebody else. Don't try to dress it up by saying, well, I really want one like it. No, no, no. That's that's games with words. Get a weed eater and let God by his grace destroy the destroyer before it destroys you. Father in heaven, we pray, trusting, believing your Holy Spirit is here. I pray you, Lord, you deliver every man, woman, boy, girl from covetous tonight. I pray, heavenly Father, that uh, at this altar you would find every person who in any way needs to make any kind of decision for you. Lord, I pray that you would be honored by the decisions we make, the prayers we pray. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And while our heads are bowed And while our eyes are closed We're going to stand Every head bowed Every eye closed Just stand with me If you would you please And a few moments We're going to begin singing together This song of invitation It's your song of invitation And if you've never trusted Jesus As your Savior And if you want to know Your sins are forgiven And that you have eternal life This is the time And if you need to follow the Lord's command to be baptized, come tell a counselor. If you want to trust Jesus, just your coming will say, I'm trusting Jesus. Say that to a counselor here at the front. I'm coming to trust Jesus. And tonight, if God's speaking to you about joining this church, just come on and find a counselor and say, look, we want to join this church or I want to join this church. Or if you have made a decision in recent days, maybe you joined this morning, maybe you're baptized tonight, and we haven't introduced you to this church, you'd come and be seated over here where it says seating for new members so we can introduce you at the close of the service. This is your invitation. And you may need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I've wanted something that belonged to another. I wanted his partner. I wanted his hours. I wanted her looks. I wanted that stuff, those possessions. I wanted that relationship, that friendship. I wanted whatever it is. And Lord, at this altar, I'm asking you, Lord, I realize I'm infected at work in me are roots of a deadly, silent, sequential killer, covetousness. God, just come obliterate those in my life. Father in heaven, may it be so tonight at this invitation time. I pray in Jesus' name.